So let's get into supernatural. Let's let's get into week nine. You're in week nine. Can you believe that? Luke eleven, Luke eight and eleven. I don't know if you remember where we left off, but we left off at this point. I told you guys that we have authority and we can command and we can demand in the spirit that things happen and heaven follows our lead. And it says, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loose in heaven. The sins we forgive are forgiven in heaven and the ones we retain are retained in heaven so we can help set people free. And once that happens, the, the, the academics of authority are complete, but then comes the wrestling. Remember, the Bible says we don't wrestle against, we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places, I think is pretty much how it says it. Um, so there is this wrestling match that goes on. And so during that wrestling match that you have determined that the devil's going to leave you alone in this area, or you've determined that God, I need this to happen in my life. And by my authority, I'm going to, I want to see this happen. Or you speak to the mountain and tell it to move, or you speak to the storm and tell it to calm. All right. Or you cast out a devil or whatever it is you do that is supernatural. We're going to really get into that in the next three weeks. Do not miss. When that happens, there is something that is occurring starting at the moment you speak that is hard for Christians to understand. It's a wrestling match, but I want to show you what happens. To show you what happens, I've got to take a step to the side, and we're going to look at, at, a, at an idea. So check this idea out. Luke 11 says this. It says, the seed is God's word. So God's word is like seed. How many are following me so far? Hebrews, right below that, Hebrews 4 and 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, all right, alive and active. Now, some years ago, I had a friend of mine give me some, take a tomato, and he pulled it apart, and he took the seeds, and he put the seeds aside, let them dry, and gave me the seeds. Those seeds looked dead, but they were alive and active. And here's the thing. Those seeds were 100-year-old seeds. They had come from his aunt and came from, his, her, came from her grandmother, and they were over 100 years old, these tomato seeds. <coughs> and he gave them to me. Now, those seeds sat for a couple of years, and then his seeds got washed away. He put his out and had a big rainstorm, and his 100-year-old seeds were gone. Thankfully, he had given me a few. And so... It was about four years later, we were able to restore those seeds to him because we planted them and only about half came up, but some of them were still alive and active. How many of you following me? So the word of God is like a seed, but the word of God is alive and active. Now, because the word of God is alive and active, look at this next verse, Matthew 13, 31 and 32. <clears throat> Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven so not just the word of God, but the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. He's comparing the kingdom of heaven and the word of God to seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest. It becomes, say that word becomes, becomes the largest of plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. And so it starts out as these tiny little seeds, but it becomes this great big plant. How do, does anything become anything else? You got to plant it, of course. There's a process. You got to water it. You got you to water it. You got to take care of it. That's good. But what does it take to grow? Time. Time. And here's the problem. We do not expect a delay when it comes to our authority and the supernatural. But the Bible clearly says, take a look at the screen, the supernatural <coughs> works like seed. 
the kingdom and the word of God and the supernatural, God's spiritual on our natural works like seed. It doesn't always happen instantaneously. For every person that I lay hands on that gets instantly healed, there was a lot of time invested in prayer, in reading the word, in faith, in fasting, in caring, in compassion. It didn't happen in that moment. It didn't happen in that moment. When your kid graduates high school, it happens in a moment. But how much study, how much time, how much effort, how much, how much of your patience, how much of mom hauling and picking up kids did it take to get there? It's not an instant. It looks like an instant, but it's not an instant. The supernatural works like seed. And so there is this period of time sometimes that you have to wait, and that's where the wrestling match happens, because your mind will tell you it's not going to work. The devil will tell you it's not going to work. But if you hold your ground, it will work. You've got to give time. The Bible says in patience you possess your soul. If you don't have patience with God's word, you will go crazy. With patience, you possess your soul. And it says you receive by faith through patience. There is sometimes a delay. Let me give you an example in the Bible. Daniel 10, 12, and 13. And he continued. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. Daniel has asked God for something, and the and the, the, the angel has come to deliver the message. 21 days later. And Daniel's fasting this whole time. Remember wrestling? He's wrestling with himself. He's wrestling with this idea. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, who the angel shows up. And the angel is, may be Jesus Christ. All right? It it doesn't, it's not perfectly clear. It is a supernatural being, but it looks like Jesus. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set, say the first day. When did it happen? the first day since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your god your words were heard when were the words heard the first day day, in that moment now you declare with your authority something in this moment it in this in this in heaven it happened already but watch what happens your words were heard and i have come to respond to them but the prince of the persian kingdom that's satan He is the prince of the power of the air. He is over this Persian kingdom and he is doing something. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me. Say resisted. Resisted. 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes or one of the chief angels, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So this supernatural being, which may or may not be Jesus, but probably is, says, I came to answer you the first day, but I got delayed by this devil. I got delayed by the devil. I'm here because I called for more help, but I got delayed. And then he goes on, he says, now that I've given, and he gives him a message, he said, now that I gave him a message, I'm going back to fight him some more. You don't know what's happening sometimes in the heavenlies above you, around you. Take a look at the screen. The supernatural can be delayed by opposition can be delayed by opposition. I'm telling you this for a reason. I want you to succeed in the supernatural. And here's the biggest hindrance, that wrestling match with time. Watch this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 18. 
Paul says in the New Testament, that's the Old Testament, what Daniel experienced. In the New Testament, Paul says, therefore, we wanted to come to you. This is the guy that wrote two th- or three, three quarters of the New Testament. He said, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. So Satan can hinder these things from happening. Satan tries to hinder and stop and slow down the supernatural. Now you need to understand that because of what I'm going to tell you last tonight. Stick with me. The other thing that happens is is people ask for something and they think it's going to happen immediately. God is like a genie and we we rub a lamp or we we say the right prayer and we say, God, for the the vineyard ministry, we need a, and we do need somebody who has enough money, go buy us one. We need a van to go pick up kids. We need a, you know, a 14 passenger van to pick up kids. Pastor Scott needs a new Corvette. Come on, somebody. Amen. Glory to God. Woo. I felt that one. And so God, you know, we need these things, God. We need this for the ministry. Scott's, Pastor Scott has to get across town quickly to pray for people. Come on now. All right. We need a new Corvette. So here's the deal. So we pray for that. And we expect it's going to happen. We, we expect before we're done praying, as soon as we say amen, we should hear ding dong. And there should be the guy outside with our keys. Just like a pizza delivery. Come on. But here's what happened. Watch this. Watch this. This is Jesus. And this guy comes to Jesus because his son is sick. The official pleaded. He was an official. He says, the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. It says he was sick unto death. He was dying. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Now, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, that's when the miracle happened. When he believed and he started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met with the, with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. But there's one phrase I want you to catch in there. Because what it looks like is is Jesus said something from far away and instantaneously the boy was healed, but he wasn't. Verse 52. Find verse 52 up there. Go back right there. He asked them when the boy had begun, say begun, begun. to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly left. He didn't get healed instantaneously. His fever his healing began by the fever leaving and he just started to get better. Now, if you walk out, how many you ever seen Looney Tunes cartoons? If you walk out the front door and Wiley Coyote drops a, a, a piano on your head and you are laying out in the front yard because we tell you don't leave before 10 minutes is up. Come on, somebody. And Wiley Coyote drops a piano on your head. And you're laying under there, boy, this hurts. Somebody help me, heal me. And I come, what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm, no, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to lift the piano. Come on now. I'm going to go there and I'm going to try and get the piano off your head. The moment the piano comes off your head, healing starts. How many are you following me? That's when healing is capable of actually acting. Until then, you're too squished to do anything. And that's exactly what this boy experiences. The dad says, when did he begin to get better? And they said, well, the fever left him at one o'clock yesterday. Well, that's the time Jesus told it to go. 
But it doesn't say he was instantaneously healed. And that word began is in there for a reason. Now, for some of us, now I can tell you right now, there are people I pray for that are instantly healed. And there are people I pray for that their healing starts at that moment and something changes and, and the, the problem is removed and they, their body starts to heal itself naturally. It sometimes is not instantaneous. But in that is the wrestling match. I want to show you the wrestling match for this father. This father's a day's journey away. He's talking, or two days journey away. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus says, everything's going to be okay. He packs up and he starts for home. Halfway home, at the same time, these other people start, the boy starts getting better and they start, they meet in the middle. What if while that father was traveling there, it said the father believed Jesus. What if while he was traveling there, the father stopped about a quarter of the way and said, boys, I'm just not feeling this. Tell you, we need to get another doctor's opinion. I'm not sure that Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. You know, I called my son's cell phone and nobody's answered. I don't know if everything's going okay right now. I'm pretty sure he's still going to die. But that's exactly what we do in the wrestling match. The wrestling match starts after the authorities use. Jesus used his authority from a distance to heal that boy. He was instantaneous. The problem was instantaneously taken away, but it took time for him to get better. Now, in that process of getting better is when the wrestling match is. And for most Christians, if it doesn't happen supernaturally, instantaneously, and and with fireworks, they're like, oh, nothing happened. No, something may have happened. Something may have happened. Now, let me give you another example. Let's Let's say you are without a job. And because you're without a job, you don't have any money to pay your insurance, your your food, your electric, your water, and you're sitting in an empty, black, dry room. And and you say, God, give help me with this. I'm, I'm broke. I have nothing. I don't have water. I don't have... And God comes in and, and somebody knocks on your door and says, I'd like to give you a job. You have just been given the solution to your problem. Does that mean you have money in your pocket at that moment? That means you have to continue in it until go and do your job to receive. You've got to wrestle with your problem for a while and then you get the paycheck and then you turn on the lights and then you turn on the water and then you buy yourself some food. Well, when was the problem solved? It was solved at that knock on the door. And we as Christians, we want it right now. But the supernatural doesn't usually happen that way. The Bible says that miracles are wrought, like wrought iron, okay? Do you know what wrought is? Wrought is twisted iron. They heat it, and they twist it, and they turn it, and they twist it, and they turn it. It's a process. It takes time. It's hard. It's hot. It's sweaty. It's not easy. It, it'll burn you. It, gets, it, it is hard work. It, it turns out, but it takes, it's, doesn't, it's not instantaneous most of the time. You've got to understand this. Take a look at the screen. The supernatural begins when you pray, but it may not end there. It begins when you pray, but it may not end there. Now, I want to give you the three things because everybody says to me, well, Scott, I prayed for something and it didn't happen. I want to give you the three main reasons from my personal experience and my personal history, and I have prayed for a lot of people. 
I prayed a lot for myself. I prayed a lot for my family. I want to give you the three things that will stop your prayers every time. Three things. Because if you can get these out of your life, the rest of the things are pretty minor. The rest of the things will stop you are pretty minor. And we're going to close with this idea. We'll close in 10 minutes. First off, number one is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. If you have unforgiveness in your life, do not expect for the supernatural to work for you. All right? Because if you have unforgiveness in your life and you think you're wrestling with time, you're not wrestling with time. You're wrestling with unforgiveness. And until it goes away, the time, the clock doesn't start. Watch this verse. Check this out. Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You see, as long as you're holding a grudge, as long as you have unforgiveness, God can't let it go. Because you haven't let it go. And He honors what you... What did I tell you in the first week? Heaven honors what we do. You loose and you bind. Heaven follows. You direct heaven's resources. And if you won't forgive, how can, he, how can, unforg- how can forgiveness come to you? How can, how can the, the power of God come and fix things? So when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. In another place, he says, when you come lay your, your gift at the altar, if you've got ought against anybody, go make up with them and then come back and give your gift at the altar. Don't ever come to God empty-handed. But when you come and you lay your gift at the altar, that, He doesn't even want your gift if you've got unforgiveness. Now, am I telling you that somebody did, treated you wrong and stole from you and beat you up, that you have to forgive them and trust them again? No, no, no. You have to let it go, but you don't have to trust them again. Some people aren't trustworthy. Some snakes are still snakes. Come on, somebody. But the fact is, is when you hold your, uh, a grudge against someone, your Father in heaven is required to hold that grudge against you too. Let's go on from there. So that's the first thing that can stop you is unforgiveness. It'll stop you right in your tracks. Wherever you're at, you're done. You're done. The supernatural will not work for you. Number two, unbelief. Unbelief. Let's look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. Very familiar scripture. And because of their unbelief, say unbelief. unbelief. This is Jesus. He, Jesus, couldn't do any miracles amongst them except to play his, place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So Jesus, it says, doesn't say would not. It doesn't say Jesus didn't feel like it. It said he could not. He could not. He could not. Say that with me. Could not. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. The Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. Unbelief will stop your your supernatural right there. They stopped Jesus. Now, that's hard for Christians to understand. Christians go back, oh no, Jesus can do anything. Yeah, Jesus can do anything, but in this case, he could do nothing. Not miraculously. Except a few people, sick people got healed. We think that's a revival service. Come on. Can you imagine what he was really doing? I'd say he was growing back limbs and putting ears back on, making blind people see, raising the dead, walking on water right in front of them, healing leprosy. Number three is what I wanted to get to for tonight, and I want you to catch this. Number three, unreadiness. The third thing that can stop it. So what's the first thing that can stop your stop you from working in the miraculous? 
Unforgiveness. What's the second thing? Unbelief. The third thing is unreadiness. Unreadiness. Read the Scripture with me. Philippians 2 and 12. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. So Paul is not with him when he writes this. He says, you obeyed in my presence and you obey even better when I'm gone. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Say, work out. Work out out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What he's saying here, he's saying this. He's saying, your salvation is written in the Word of God. The principles are there, and you've got to work out figuring it out. You've got to be pressing in at all times. You've got to be pumping up in the Word. You've got to be staying with it. Your your salvation is worked out with fear and with trembling. Remember I talked Sunday about the fear of God? This is all connected. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's the problem. Nobody wants to work out in the supernatural. I'm going to prove that to you. I'm going to prove it in your own life right this minute. How many of you got up this morning? How many of you believe God, God is your healer? Raise your hand up big. God's your healer. Put your hand down. How many of you got up this morning and read four healing scriptures? One. You're not working out. Now, I'm not mad at you. I'm informing you. How many of us got up and read two healing scriptures this morning? Two. Now, here's the problem. If you don't work it out, you don't get it. It would be like me saying, I'm not in shape. I'm going to run a marathon in six weeks. I think on the 25th of the month, I think I'm going to start working out on the 24th. How many know I'm going to get about 30 seconds into that marathon and I'm done? I might not get 30 seconds. I might not get the outfit on. Come on, somebody. Now, listen to me. Here's the problem. We don't work it out. We don't work it out. And because of that, we have unreadiness. And when we're unready, here's what happens. And here's what's so sad to me. I want you to catch this. Here's what's so sad to me. How many drank coffee this morning? Oh, you worked that out. How many put shoes on in the morning? Oh, you worked that out, didn't you? How many of you got up in the last three days and went to work? I don't care if it's morning shift, night shift, whatever. You went up and you got up and you went to work. Uh, you worked that out. I don't think I won't. I'll ask this question, but don't raise your hand. How many of you have not touched your Bible in three days? You're not working that out. I'm not mad at you, but here's what it says. Let me read it again. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. If you want to be in the supernatural, you can't come in at the last minute. Here's what is so sad and frustrating. You know I'm a chaplain up at the hospital. It is devastating to go there. And here's what happens. I get a call at six o'clock, at, at 12 o'clock at night, and they're like, we've just called the coroner. We'd like you to come and talk to the family. How come I get called just before or just after the coroner? Why do I always get called when no one's ready? 
How come nobody calls and says, hey, we're going to bring our family to church and have them there? Now, you guys do, and my hat's off to you. But how many times do we call for the miracle just before we call for the coroner? How many times? It's so sad to me because you walk in with power and they're not ready to receive it. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me, in you. You walk in with power and they're like, they're they're crying. They're sad. They're worn out. I'm like, listen, uh, tell me where you guys go to church. Well, you know, we used to go to church over. And here's the one they always do. I go to that church. It's called um, um, uh, First... uh, First Pentecostal Baptist of the, uh, no, let's see. It's, well, the preacher over there, he's, he's Joe. Uh, uh, I'm like, you don't go to church. And they're like, you're right. Yeah, I don't go to church. <laughs> okay? They're not ready. There's no readiness. And the problem is, and we're going to close with this right now. The problem is, is unreadiness will keep you, because what do miracles take? Time. If you're only giving the minister 30 seconds to work, it's not enough time. You wouldn't expect to not take your kid to school until they're 18 years old and then show up at school graduation and go, hey, we're here, we'd like a diploma. They're going to look at you and go, can he read? No, but we're expecting God to do a great miracle in his life. We're expecting God's going to download uh, geography to him in just a few seconds. We're expecting a a scholarship from... uh, on a geography scholarship to uh, UK, and 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 he's going to be a a a, a great geolo- geologist. You mean you never took him to school? You didn't get him ready? No, no, no. God's a great miracle worker. And yet Christians do this every day. I'm not mad at you. I want the next three weeks to impact your life, and if you're not ready, it won't. You guys are really quiet. I know you are. Nobody's guilty. It's not guilt. It's the opportunity to change. It's not guilt. It's the opportunity to become that guy that walks in and is frustrated at everybody else. Listen to me. It's the opportunity. The Bible says the stripes of a friend are harsh. The wounds of a friend hurt but there are friend's wounds. And I'm your friend. And I'm telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. You've got to get ready. You've got to be prepared. You've got to disciple up. You've got, if you want to work in the supernatural. Now, if you just want to live a humdrum humdrum life and you're going to depend on Dr. So-and-so to fix you, well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of Christians do that. I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to the supernatural ones. I'm talking to the power ones. I'm talking the ones that want to see the dead raised. I'm talking about the ones that want to lay hands on the sick. I'm talking about the ones that want to see people saved because they walk up and they say, hey, you know what? I I discern. Listen, we just read it a minute ago. You know the official. Listen to me. You know the official. Go back to the first scripture. Go back to that first scripture. I want to show you something so powerful. Listen, the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He He asked 
when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Watch this. Get your big Dumbo ears on and turn them on. Listen to this. Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Miracles get people saved. Miracles get people saved. Healings get households saved. When you have a religion that is dry and doesn't do anything, nobody wants it. Miracles got his whole household saved. I'm talking to people that say, I want to see households saved. That means I've got to work in miracles. That means I've got to be ready. I've got to be ready. I can't have unreadiness. How many are you following me? Now, next three weeks, I'm telling you, I'm going to walk you into it. I'm going to walk you into it. I'm going to walk you into it. It'll be hands on. Some of you in the next three weeks will, will pray for people and see people healed. Some of you in the next three weeks will pray for people and see them fall out on the floor. Some of you will, will pray for people and depression will leave. Now, I'm not joking. I'll walk you right into that. I'll walk you right into that. All right? I'll leave you there. I'll walk you into it and I'll leave you there. But you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. Crack that book open. The problem is, is unbelief, unforgiveness, and unreadiness. Unreadiness. And if you're not ready, if you're praying for people that aren't ready, you can be so powered up. But if it's a six-week miracle and they've got 30 seconds to live, you better just get them saved. And that's okay. All right, let's stand to our feet. Smile big. Smile. Say, God loves me. God's getting me ready. I'm going to get me ready. I'm going to use my authority. I'm going to see the dead raised. I want to see people saved. I'm going to work in miracles. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. Oh, I'm telling you, you got to tell yourself that. The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. God, give us a thousand souls. God, help us to work in miracles. Now, I'm not joking with you. Let's pray this with me. Say, Father, forgive me for being unready. Forgive me for unforgiveness. I ask that you would forgive me for holding sins against other people. Please take that out of my life. I ask you to to heal me of unreadiness, of any unbelief. I ask that you would help me to believe. I cry out as the apostles did, help my belief. Help my unbelief. Heal me. Help me to walk with you. Help me to see people miraculously healed. I want to make a difference. For Your kingdom, all glory to You. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hug somebody on your way out. We'll see you Sunday morning. You've been listening to a message from Vineyard Community Church in downtown London, Kentucky at 220 West 5th Street. 
we invite you to come and join us. Our gathering times are 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. And Wednesday night, we have meal and a message night at 7 p.m. Great things are happening at Vineyard, and everyone is welcome here. 